Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Howard, and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're welcoming back Dr. Kathy Cornack, and she's going to be sharing her practical tips for using natural medicine in anxiety cases. Kathy graduated from the University of Queensland in 1985 with an honours degree in veterinary science, so she has been part of the profession for over 30 years. Since then, she's had a diverse career within the profession, including clinical practice, research and teaching, a remote area government veterinary officer, and with the RSPCA. Kathy is a certified veterinary acupuncturist and gained her membership in veterinary behaviour in 1999. She is an avid member of the Integrative Vets Australia Group and the AVBIG Behaviour Interest Group. She serves clients interested in an approach focused on natural, complementary and integrative medicine with a particular interest in behaviour. Kathy is based in Newcastle in New South Wales. Hello Kathy, and welcome back to the Pure Animal Podcast. You're the first second timer that I've interviewed so it's very exciting very special (laughs) oh thank you Sarah (laughs) (laughs) Um, and on the last episode we jumped into some of the more philosophical and cultural beliefs surrounding mental health issues in animals starting to change the language that the veterinary community and um, pet owners can use around this which I love um, as well as touched on some of the challenges that general practitioners face in this area today so what we're going to talk about today, um, which I'm really excited about, is some more, some of the more sort of practical ways that um, practitioners can start to introduce some integrative medicine into behaviour cases. Um, so, I mean, let's just jump right in. What sort of strategies do you find um, lead to the best outcomes in these cases? Uh, well, you have to do, I mean, it sounds cliched, but doing a holistic approach. So it's not enough to just... Um you know, introduce some medication or a supplement. As we spoke about last time, you've really got to look at the behaviour mod and the environment and all of those sorts of things. And I suppose the other thing I'd say about successful is, um, you know, client education. Let them know that one of the biggest challenges we have with behaviour, you know, is that you can't fix it overnight Mm. kind of thing. It's a low, hard slog getting them to identify it early. And then I suppose, you know, choosing... Um, you know, and I'm going to call it all medication, you know, whether it's conventional or integrative, you know, having a, the appropriate level of help, I guess, through what you're doing. And, and the most common one I would see is, you know, you've got a dog, let's say, with significant separation anxiety and, and they're giving, um, you know, like rescue remedy. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, that's unlikely to be effective, you know, in and of itself. We yeah. would have to add more things yeah. into that or using rescue remedies for um, some, because that's really designed for, you know, kind of short-term phobic things, yeah. so something like a storm, yeah. but it's no good when, say, a generalised anxiety yeah, condition. Of course. So, yeah. so if they want to use flower essences, making sure, you know, that, that they're using appropriate formulas. So I'd say they'd be the crucial things with um, getting success. Yeah, absolutely. That holistic approach is really key. And um, and I see so often in practice or when I was in practice that um, a lot of the times um, the clients do just want that quick fix and it comes back to that education piece 
all the time. And, you know, sometimes the quick fix of even a pharmaceutical remedy, it can help somewhat, but you're right. I mean, a lot of the time it's just in that short-term period and if you don't implement all of those other things at the same time, then you're really sort of going to be fighting an uphill battle from the start. Yes, I think it's true. That That's what makes behaviour work so challenging. Mm. But when you do get that rare client who follow your advice and stick with it with the long term, they're also so rewarding yeah. when they make it through to the other end. And do you find that there is an end with behaviour cases and, and cases of mental illness in dogs and cats? Or is it a lifelong um, management of of their mental health to sort of prevent the signs and the um, triggers from eliciting signs coming back or or do you um, do you often reach an end? Yes, I think it's both. I mean, like all of our lives, we're a work in progress and you're mm-hmm. continually you know, working with your proclivities and learning to manage them and uh, positive experiences and those kind of things. But yes, we can usually get people to, if, you know, if our program's successful, we can get get the animal and the and the person to a point where we're like, you know, we have effectively resolved that issue. Now a lot of it might involve managing. Yeah. But we've got it to the point where they can live a you know, kind of a kind of a happy a happy life. And once they're seeing once the owner is seeing those changes, it it must just be so much easier for them to adhere to your plans and and keep going on that path. Um, when they're seeing the the changes in the, you know, the well being of their pet. Yes, I think that's crucial, Sarah, isn't it? And that's one of the keys is trying to get something that's going to give them a bit of a result to keep them going because yeah. usually the default position is, oh, I tried that, yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Tried that, didn't see anything. You would know that all the time from your time in practice. Yeah. So frustrating. frustrating. Yeah, You're like, it's really frustrating. Come on, guys. We've got to work at this a little bit. Yeah. We might have to adjust. We might have to add in. might have to alter. That's right. It's not going to be a quick fix usually. Yeah. yeah, that's a really strong message that we should take from today. Well, Kathy, so what sort of practical things can we offer um, if we're looking at a holistic approach? Even um, I know we, we're going to focus on some of the supplements and the herbs and things that we can use, but even looking at environmental and behavioural uh, modifications, just touching on those as well. Uh, sure, Sarah. Well, I guess uh, today I had, um, I spoke like a lot about the behaviour mod last time and I'm happy to do some more on that. But I guess because it's about natural treatments for anxiety, I thought I'd jump right in with, you know, probably the 10 things that that I've found work for me and they're by no means exhaustive. I'm sure many of our other um, integrative practitioners would do and recommend other things. But if you were to sit in on one of my consultations or get one of my histories, you'll usually see kind of all these things mentioned. So these are the ones, my kind of 10-ish or a dozen top tips. Yeah, great. So... One of my favourites to make sure people at least have at least tried or are using in conjunction with other things is, is your good old um, pheromone collars and sprays. Mm-hmm. So Adaptal and Feelyway, I, I can't speak highly enough about those types of products. Mm-hmm. And again, really important that we educate our clients that they're using them appropriately. Yep. So I often will include some of that in the short term, whether I'm doing, you know, conventional meds or integrative, just yep. to kind of give a bit of additional support. Yep. Um, essential oils, I'm a big, a big, big fan of using essential oils mm-hmm. and 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 make sure that they're 
but they're safe and at appropriate dilutions and a lot of clients will find are already familiar with at least the concept of essential oils, even if we just start off with something, you know, like lavender. Yeah. And um, even if they put it in an infuser in the room where the animal is. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask huge. how they were um, sort of administered. So you generally infuse them, sorry, diffuse them rather than use them topically or even orally? Yeah, well, that's right. I think you have to be really, really careful yeah. with the oils. As most people know, a lot of them are not safe or, or suitable for taking orally. Yeah. Um, and so I usually start, if I have someone who's not experienced, just to um, you know run a diffuser in the area where the animal likes to hang out a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Or you can put just a single, just a single drop on a on a bandana or a, or a piece of bedding, because um, we know animals' sense of smell is far more acute than ours. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I use something like an essential oil mix, um, you know, in behaviour mod where uh, one of the skills they have to learn is just how to relax. A lot of these mm. animals, you know, the client will give the classic phrase, has the run of the house. Yes. Um, that, that usually means kind of poor boundaries, yeah. um, little in the way of structure. Yeah. So one of the things I get them to do is just a little bit of a formal relaxation program where they actually ask the animal to just go and chill for a little bit. That's nice. On, on a set area and, um, you know, you can maybe have a little bit of lavender or a calming mix there. It's, it's kind of like an olfactory cue. You know, mm. we've got the bed or the mat itself as a visual cue, but you can combine that, you know, with an olfactory cue that's going to have, um, you know, kind of a, a calming influence on the on the brain. And we think that they act fairly similarly in our companion animals to how they work in humans generally. Yeah. The same across most um, mammalian species. Yeah, I would think so. And apart from lavender, what are the other essential oils that you commonly reach for? Um, oh, I I use a particular brand of oils that, that have some some blends, okay. um, some calming blends. Yeah, lavender is my is my fallback. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, um, I do too. Not everybody likes the smell of it. Um. <laughs> um so that one I would do fairly often. Um, another one of my go-to things, and I'm just loving this uh, supplement at the moment, is magnesium. Yeah. I'm pretty much putting all my anxious creatures on a magnesium supplement. Right. And I have to say the responses have been absolutely outstanding. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yes, it's pretty much every every consult. And I've been really surprised at just such a simple thing. And they can have that you know, whatever else is going on, um, added in food if it's appropriate or compounded in a capsule mm-hmm. um, using probably 30 to 60 milligrams a day okay. as a supplement. Um, per kilo or per animal? Oh, like for a smallish dog, 30. For yep. a bigger dog, 60 yep. milligrams. I mean, the NRC requirement of magnesium is 150 milligrams a day, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure they can have much, much more. You look at some of the human um, magnesium supplements and they're yeah. very high. Yeah. Um, and you can use the lactate, the oxide or the citrate version yep. of magnesium. There's many versions of magnesium, but and of course its role is that it's re- it regulates neurotransmitters. And do you find that one of the forms is better 
absorbed than the other. So this, like the citrate I know in people is preferred to an oxide. Yes, I, um, I have been mainly using the citrate mm-hmm. and um, I found it very well, very well tolerated and seems to be very effective. Yeah, great. Okay, that's um, excellent. So that would be my big hot tip to everybody. Yeah. Just try a little bit of magnesium supplement because yeah. often I think, you know, we're probably going to find that we humans and our animals, we're largely deficient in lots of things yes. and magnesium would be one of them. Yeah. Um, and another one um, is zinc. Zinc yep. can be really um, valuable as well. I usually do, you know, sort of a 10 to 20 milligrams once a day in yep. a zinc supplement yep. as well. And um, the other one um, that I really like is, um, you know, like a good quality B multi. Yeah, I was going to say Bs as well. I mean, this is these are all commonly used for um, sort of nervous system support in people too. So it's just no wonder that it crosses over. Yes, exactly. And, and having a heavy interest in, um, you know, kind of nutrition as mm. I do, um, mm-hmm. I just think we'll start off with all the basics. And it seems to be, at least in my experience, just doing these simple things um, can have a real positive um, positive benefit. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they would be sort of the, the dietary supplementy things. Yeah. And... Um, and then my favourite herb, probably, and then I would use some some herbs. Um, and uh, my favourite of all is valerian. Yes. Um, the downside with valerian, of course, is it does have quite a strong smell. Okay. So compliance is an issue. Um, yeah. Often you have to put it in a capsule and give it orally. They yeah. generally won't take it in their food. And yeah. cats, you can almost forget it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're so difficult, aren't they, cats? <laughs> so sensitive yeah. with, their, with their eating habits. But yeah. um, So for dogs, yes, I love valerian. And, of course, how valerian works is um, increasing the availability of, of GABA, mm-hmm. the GABA, aminobutyric acid, which is a major... Um, inhibitory neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. So I've had really good success using valerian. It'll often be my first port of call with the with the herbs. Okay. And um, depending on the size of the dog, anywhere from sort of like a hundred to two thousand milligrams. Oh, quite a, day. a large range. Okay. Yeah, quite a bit. So a very small one, like a little two hour, maybe a hundred milligrams, yep. right up to the big guys. I would give. Um, you know, something like uh, a thousand milligrams. Okay, twice right. a day. So twice a day. I was going to ask whether you're giving all of these things at night before sleep. Yes, I mean valerian is, of course, in humans traditionally a sleep aid. Yes. Um, so it can be good for any any of our ones who are restless at night, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, or before. You know, you could give it just an hour before. You know, an aversive stimulus just on a yeah. infrequent basis. Yeah. But I tend to find with my ones who've got clinical anxiety, I'm going to give it twice a day. Okay. And do you split, is it 100 to 2,000 twice a day or do you split the dose to um, morning? So it'd be, yeah, 2,000 is the amount over a day. Over so a whole day. I do okay. 1,000 twice a day yeah. is my kind of top end yeah. okay. dose, which seems to work. Yes, in my hands. Okay. Um, and any side effects or contraindications to using valerian root? Uh, I've not um, experienced any. I think you would have to read your Materia Medica if yeah. they were on other 
on other medications. Yep. That seems to combine pretty safely with okay. most things. Great. Um, and then on to the continuing on with the herbs, I guess mm-hmm. I've got a couple of classic Chinese formulas that I like, mm-hmm. depending on the TCM diagnosis. And um, and one of them would be the Rambling Ease um, herbal okay. formula. I haven't heard of that. Ah, yes, it's a it's a beauty. Um, okay. And um, the other one is the Calm the Shen and Settle the Emotions. Formula. Oh, wow. Okay. We've got lovely names. Yes, they are lovely. <laughs> and these are all, you know, kind of a combination generally of about four or five different yes. um, different botanicals, yep. um, these traditional Chinese formulas. But um, I tend, they would be two of my favorites that yep. I would commonly um, reach for and um, start the animals on that. Again, compliance in cats is a little mm. difficult. You can get both these formulas in pills. And mm-hmm. in powders and in liquids. Mm-hmm. So if you're just starting out, um, you know, just probably experiment with each of the different forms. I've mm-hmm. had some cats who will quite happily accept a little pill. Yeah. Um, some of them, you know, it's uh, putting the liquid down either directly or mixed in with something. Yep. But these herbs generally have a very strong smell and flavour. Yeah, so as again, most herbs com- do. Yes, the compliance <laughs> is a rate limiting factor yeah, with yeah. herbal medicine, and you, you know, I'm sure when you interview one of the herbal gurus, they can give you all the tips yeah. they've developed over the years to get. That would be a good podcast topic, actually. Thanks. I think so. I think, yeah, Yeah. find one of our amazing herbal gurus and um, do a podcast on what are all the tips to get these, you know, amazing botanical medicines that we can use. Actually into the animal. (laughs) Yeah, but the taste and flavour. So for a dog with either of these formulas, I would generally do about five grams per 10 kilos. Okay, quite a a lot. Okay. Yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. yeah so a teaspoonful yep. per ten. Okay. Twice a day. And fine to use with the valerian as well. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and these herbal um, mixtures, the um, TCM mixtures, what sort of neurotransmitters are they working on, or uh, do you know much about why they help with the anxiety? Um, I don't know in detail. Um, there are. Textbooks would have it all, mm. um, you know, kind of listed about uh, what they're doing. Um, yep. It's all being researched and, and yeah, documented. Yeah, over thousands of years. <laughs> yes, it's quite well researched. You know, there are some amazing textbooks um, with one in particular that Barbara Fougere, one of our very preeminent um, herbalists yes. in Australia. Um, well. She was one of the, the co-authors of that and, and it's absolutely well documented, yeah. you know, all the pathways and the neurotransmitters and whatnot, but that's not my strength, I have to say. I tend to be more a coal face. Yeah, person. no, that's fine. And if someone asks me, I can send Refer them, them the, to the page on yeah. how, it's, how it's doing it. <laughs> well, I actually have that textbook, so I should go and have a look. <laughs> yeah, have a look. It's, yeah. um, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, like with a lot of herbal medicines, it's probably doing way more than, you know, than the identifiable pathways or the constituents that are known to be in yeah, it. Like all these things, there's, the extent. there's hundreds of psychoactive compounds yeah. and they're all interacting and interrelating. Yeah, amazing. Okay. And with those yeah. formulas, there's no reason why you can't use it on any patient? Is there any contraindications? Um, well, again, because they're quite 
potent and much the same, I guess, as psychotrophics. You know, you'd want to make sure they had good liver and kidney function because yep. a lot of these things are metabolized by particularly the liver. Yep. So um, the usual cautions, they're not just, you know, our botanicals are, are strong and potent yeah. medicines. Yep. But again, make sure you've got a healthy animal yep. and make sure um, that you consult one of these excellent textbooks where all yes. the contraindications and potential interactions with any Western medicines who are using the same pathways, yep. it's all documented Great. in there. Okay. So that you might get potentiation or you might get... Um, you know, the reduction in effect depending on which of the mechanisms are operating. Yeah, sure. Well, I might link that um, textbook in our show notes so that people can can reach out and grab that if they want to because it's an excellent resource. Yeah, it's um, absolutely critical for anybody with an interest in herbal medicines Mm. to have that on their shelves and then, yes, they'll, they'll understand exactly how it's working and it has all the you know, all about the pharmacokinetics yes. and all that kind all of thing. All the nitty-gritty, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. All that good scientific yes. stuff for the big scientific brains out there. Yeah. <laughs> you can go and have your feast at the top of awesomeness. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. So the next thing that I really like, and, um, and I don't know how many of our audience will be familiar with this, um, is the use of, you know, like the body wrap. And the fungus uh, yes. shirts, yep. and those kind yep, of like things, like the swaddles for pets. Exactly. Yeah. So it kind of works on that idea of you know just like swaddling a newborn baby kind of yep. thing to help calm their help calm their nervous system. Yeah. And I find, and you know, there's a few. Uh, the thunder shirt is a fairly famous one. Mm-hmm. And then there's the storm. There's a storm wrap, I think, as well. Yes. So these can be quite handy um, and you can get the little face wraps as well. Okay, I haven't seen those. Yeah, they're pretty interesting. Mm. Um, You can use those, you know, sometimes with uh, barking or biting dogs a little bit. Um, And I do think they have a calming effect. I remember uh, many years ago um, when I was interning, you know, I learned about the position of the straps on a halty kind of exerting, uh, you know, kind of a... A psychological effect on dogs, and so that with these, um, with the mouth wraps, they're kind of doing the same thing. The straps mm. are basically fitting in a similar spot to where a halty fits. That's interesting. Well, I guess yeah. they must be tapping into some sort of acupressure point there. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. there's a lot of key um, acupressure points around the head, yeah, and um, they're probably doing all sorts of stuff besides um, that we we don't know. Mm. Um, but I do tend to find that that they are worth a try. And the good thing with those is people don't have to spend a lot of money because I know that these, you know, thunder shirts and the body wrap things, um, you can pay quite significant sums yeah. of money, like maybe eighty to a hundred dollars yeah. for one of these shirts. But the good thing is um people can make them themselves. Yep. Um often get them to go to the Goodwill or the secondhand shop and just get, you know, like a children's T shirt or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, they can be a good adjunct. Um, you know, again, they're not going to cure it. No, but whatever we can do to support that dog in particular, cats are not big fans of anything on their body. Oh, uh, right, okay, so just for dogs. 
Yes, dogs primarily, but yep. no reason why it couldn't be extrapolated out to the feline. It tends to just immobilise them. Poor yeah, <laughs> kind freeze. Of go, What's this? <laughs> um, but with the dogs, it does, I think, serve to create um, some body awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't very scientific, and I can just see the floods of dissenting comment about what I'm going to say, but I'm oh, going to no. say it anyway. Anecdotal evidence, I think, is very undervalued. <laughs> it, it means a lot. <laughs> Just because yeah, there's not well, the science to back it up doesn't mean it's not true. So I often describe to clients, and I and I say this about myself because I had some trauma in my childhood and I was very dissociated for a long time, you know, not kind of in my body. Mm, okay. And um, and I describe anxious dogs and cats as being a floating head. It's mm-hmm. like all the energy, all the activity, like most of them is somehow in their head, mm-hmm. you know, overthinking and over-evaluating and stressing. And what they need to do is get into their body. Yeah. And I find that these body wraps and shirts and that kind of thing are a really good kind of mind-body integration tool. Right. And it, and I think they've actually done some some work on it to show that it does exert um, a calming effect. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, it's clearly there's probably evidence on swaddling in babies and that kind of thing. Those yeah. of us who've had you know, who've had little humans know that, you know, wrapping them up nice and tight and even with the autistic children, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, the heavy blankets and things like that. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's that same principle, I think, of actually having the body in nice and snug and then that has a calming effect somehow. Yeah. And, uh, and I do find that the body wraps and things of that sort help us to get rid of the floating head syndrome and get us a, an animal who is fully embodied and fully present and not mm. just up with their you know their worries and their thoughts yeah that's really interesting I like that yeah thanks. <laughs> that's my little Kathy thing <laughs> yeah well, hopefully hopefully those tips work for me because I'm expecting a baby in December <laughs> and I have gone out and bought about 11 different swaddles um so <laughs> Definitely oh, on board. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be able to have uh, lots of different textures. Yeah, I'll and, give you the feedback. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Because I'm sure, you know, there's much to research in this. You know, anyone, you know, a young a young scientist, you know, who wants to kind of research this further so that we yeah. understand more fully what's going on. Yeah. But like you say, anecdotally, in my experience, I have found them a useful adjunct. Yeah, and they're certainly not doing any harm. Exactly. Um, And again, educating your clients, you know, don't leave them on while you're out and then they strangle themselves in a doorknob or, you know, something. You know, there's always a, oh. So if we're sensible and do it appropriately, yes, they're not doing any harm and they can only help. The only thing I would say, and I do tell this to my clients, is don't, you need to put them on when everything's calm and relaxed as well as when a stressful event's coming down. Right. Because they have to, because otherwise they will learn to predict that you're bringing out that yeah, thing. That's that means something scary is going to happen. Yeah. Create and that. Make link. sure that they're doing all their good behavior mods so that, you know, this just becomes like a crate or any, or a relaxation cue. This just becomes something um, that I can get all calm and relaxed in. Yeah, nice. Not, that's a good tip. It's not correlated with the stimulus. Yeah. That's probably, you know, one thing that's really, really important with yeah. all our behaviour mod is you've got to make sure um, that you're not, 
you know, just using it at stressful times. Yeah. Yeah, and then I've only got a, a couple more um, okay. that I would typically do. And one is um, I just wanted to finish off a little bit on diet um, mm-hmm. and the omega-3 fatty acids, of course, like fish oil. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have popped them in with the earlier group. You know, like we were saying, these are all things that are used in human medicine mm-hmm. for, um, you know, kind of mood regulation yep. and mental health. Yep. So, um, you know, a good quality fish oil supplement. Is uh, usually have everybody on that right away early in the piece, mm-hmm. um, and then I find um, I prefer um, if if the animal is healthy, I often will do a simple switch, like putting them more onto more onto a natural diet mm-hmm. um, rather yeah. than processed food, and that way you can be guaranteed that it's all clean. Yeah. And um, having lots of, um, you know, potassium-rich foods in there and, um, you know, you can target your turkey and your eggs yeah. with more of the tryptophan, which has, uh, you know, positive effect on serotonin levels yep. and yep. Absolutely. all that sort of thing. And then um, I like uh, fish is often really good, I find, with some of these uh, wound-up animals, getting them on a little bit more fish. Okay. And do you and, think that's um, because of the fatty acids in the fish? Well, that's one part of it. But the other thing is, um, you know, in some of the Chinese food therapy, there's this concept of, um, you know, kind of like, let's just say we're eating animals, that whatever animal you kill for food, it has like, you know, the energy signature of of the beast itself. Right. So for chicken, for chickens, for instance, you know, they're kind of like busy. Frantic. Whereas a cow is slow and lumbering, that kind of thing. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very fascinating yeah. and I wish I knew more about it. And there are actually full-on courses in Chinese food therapy. So Yeah. And I think Ayurvedic, um, I know in people, I mean, it'd be really interesting to um, actually – no, I'm, I'm guessing dogs and cats would have doshas as well, dominant doshas. But I know in Ayurveda, they do recommend certain doshas um, like pitta and vata, who would be the more sort of ones prone to anxiety and aggression and sort of hot headedness. Definitely certain proteins they recommend to eat and to leave out others. So it's interesting going back so far in sort of traditional Indian and Chinese medicine. Um, you know, they must have. They must be doing something right because it's been around for so long. Yes, exactly, Sarah. And I am, you know, when I no longer have to work for money and I can just do things for fun, you know, I would <laughs> love to, to study all these yeah, traditional systems so of medicine because they're so fascinating. Yeah. And, and we're finding more and more, you know, as our kind of scientific knowledge gets more developed that, like you say, they've they've been saying this for thousands of years, but but we can now actually understand more and more the mechanisms of action. Mm, yeah. But but on that Chinese food therapy thing and the fish, yes. Yeah, so the idea with fish is, you know, they're they're kind of got the calming influence of being in the water type thing. Yeah. Um, that's so nice. you'll you'll see in a lot of the food lists, you know, like the white fish or the cool water fish are actually, you know, a more cooling or calming yeah. kind of food. Yeah. Whereas salmon, for instance, is, is fishy and it has the good omegas, but the higher fat content makes it a bit more warming. A bit heating. So do you, um, if you're doing your TCM um, sort of physical examination on a, 
on an animal. I, I'm, I'm a bit ignorant when it comes to TCM, to be honest. It's an area that I'd love to learn more about. But can you tell from the physical exam whether they are an animal who would respond better to cooling or heating diets? Yes, that's yeah. right. So much the same as in Ayurvedic, and I'm sure yeah. there are other systems. Yes, I'll have a, a picture that's either, you know, you know, kind of hot or cool yeah. or neutral. Yeah. And so they'll have a constitution and a condition and you try to make your best match. Yeah. Okay. Amongst all those variables. But just keeping it simple for people, yes, choosing foods um that might have a beneficial effect. Um, yeah. like, you know, your fish or, or turkey. Yeah. Based that makes sense. things. Um and then the last thing on diet is that and I don't know if we touched on it last time, I can't remember, but the thing that we really need to remember is, you know, the whole of human and veterinary nutrition, it's kind of gone down this wormhole of kind of nutritionism, you know, where we just become obsessed with nutrients mm. rather than looking at the food yeah. and how it is that they eat the food and how it is that they get the food. And and this will dovetail nicely back into the behaviour mod stuff. So mm. n- not only is it about what we're feeding them, but it's also about, you know, what are they doing to get the food and how are they getting the food? Because, um, you know, in domestication, we're kind of taking care of everything for our animals. They're left with, you know, bugger all else to do really, which is where a great many of the problems come from. Um, so they're kind of bored or understimulated, um, left, you know, to think about things rather than having to get grounded and fetch some dinner and, and chew it up. Yeah. So yeah. making how they're getting the food, no matter what you're feeding them, you know, whether you think I'm a crazy chicken and, and you're going to give them, you know, some proprietary dry food, that's all fine. But it's really, really important. How are they actually getting it? You know, so things like Kongs and Snuffle Mats and and Slow Feeders and those kinds of things where we can actually have them expend some energy and get some stimulation acquiring their diet. And and I'm sure all of us who do behaviour mod, you know, we spend countless hours ourselves and with our trainers and nurses just going through all these basics with people. Yeah. Because yes. we can help uh, have, give a dog or a cat a much more satisfying life by, um, you know, having them hunt for some, some, for some food and some goodies. Yeah, and get them some exercise at the same time, which could release those endorphins, which can help with their mental health. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that basic stuff. So I have to say, Sarah, I'm a fairly simple beast. I leave the high salute and science to other people, but I tend to focus more on, you know, on these basic things. Yeah. Like I say, let's just get them moving. Let's just get them hunting. Yeah. Let's just get them searching for some food. And we know that they love to work. They find the satisfaction. It improves, uh, you know, the emotional well-being and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep, no, get like your it. endorphins going. Yeah. Well, if I mean, if it's working, then why change it? If your 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 ten steps um, work really well for you, then it's then it's fantastic um, sort of protocol to keep going with. Yeah. Well, um, exactly right. We all find their style and what works for them. So I'm a big fan of just you know really drilling down into those simple things. You know, yeah. the older I get, it's more like you know keep it simple. Yeah. If you can find a couple of simple things that you're really passionate about and that you know a lot about. There's so much detail in all these things and you can help your clients um, with that. So, yeah, mine's all about getting these guys actually. I call it operant food gathering. 
Um, yeah, okay, yeah. So um, just to do something. And in that category, I would throw in chewing. I think mm. chewing is super-duper important and it would be awesome if someone did a PhD on all the awesome benefits oh. of chewing. <laughs> chewing brings, because we know it gives mental stimulation, yeah. you know, it brings physical health, but it, it's going to be releasing um, releasing hormones and creating a positive mental state. Yeah. I'm absolutely certain of it. Yeah. So, you know, the vet dentists and the behaviour people are often on opposite sides of the street with this. But yeah. for me, I'm like, if you wreck a few teeth, that's not as important as having good mental health. So. Yeah, that's right. Mental health really is going to be dictating the animals or the humans' um, day, every single day. And if you don't have good mental health, then really life is not as enjoyable. Yes, I think so. That's, mm. that's kind of where my focus is because, again, I have a rich personal history of uh, lots of contact with mental illness and yeah. it, I think for me, that's my priority is just trying to keep them um, mentally healthy yep. and the humans as well. And then probably my last thing that I would do, these are my top tips, probably more than 10, mm. more like 12. Um, <laughs> and I'm not a homeopath, but I know if you get these cases where you've done all the basics, but you know they're still not right and the animal's doing something weird, like they usually, I know the homeopaths love this, I think they call it peculiarities. Yep. So. You know, if the client will give you a doozy, like it just does this really weird thing of whatever it is. Sometimes um, I've found some of my cases that are fairly stuck, um, just finding the right homeopathic. I ask one of my learned colleagues, Mm -hmm. um, and often your peculiarities will give you a lot kind of a link um, into just just kind of clearing that. Um, is there any particular homeopathic remedy that you reach for more than others? Is there just no, one? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, Depends on the case. I know that that's a very complex yeah. Yeah. field and you've got to match it all up. But I certainly know, you know, you see some and it'll just have a weird symptom. Yeah. You know, like licks the floor. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's the one that comes to mind or something like that. Yeah, um, Sometimes just... Uh, just giving um, one of these remedies that works on those odd symptoms, I think, mm. can kind of clear a pattern and allow some of our other things to come through. Mm. Well, thank you. That was really nice and clear. Um, and I like your sort of simple approach because it really would help to get the pet's owner um, sort of adhering to the treatment plans. The simpler, the better in a lot of these cases. And I know treating a mental illness um, it's difficult to make simple because it's can be such a complex challenge and something that does require all of these different approaches. But if we can break it down into these steps, then surely it's going to help to um, to get them on board and and to get a better result at the end. Yes, I certainly hope so. That's <laughs> what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, before we wrap up, is there any other tips that you'd like to leave practitioners with about this topic? I don't really think I've got anything. Yeah, no, um, that's great. It's been very comprehensive. Too dramatic to add. I mean, and anybody who's listening to this, I, I presume you've got an interest in behaviour and you know just how damn frustrating these cases are. Yeah. It's really, I think it's all about, well, you know, and I think we ended up on this point last time, Sarah, you know, it's education, 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 yeah. isn't it? Yeah. To, um, and particularly to get people in early. Yes. Um, before it's a problem. Yeah. 
and knowing that, you know, we we vets, we've just got so much knowledge. We really undervalue ourselves and we've done a terrible job at at selling it. You know, people don't know how much we can help them and I think it's it's about getting that word out that, you know, there is mental health in animals. It's not just training stuff, you know, the stuff that Kirsty's been banging on about for twenty years. Mm. It, you know, we've still got this notion of you know, there's no bad animals, just bad owners and yeah. so getting flying that flag for mental health yeah. and just, you know, like you were saying, I, I heard you say it a while ago, you know, it's like happy lives and yeah. you know, low stress and making it more fulfilling. So I think as the spotlight of the society in large turns around to that, things will hopefully improve. But yeah. it's really getting your clients on board that it's not their fault. Um, you know, they might have done things better, like all of us in hindsight, but it's not their fault. No. And um, you know, just to stick with it, yeah. And it won't, and it won't be easy. But yes, you getting back to one of your earlier questions, you know, there there is light at at the end of the tunnel, and in most of these cases, we can get them to the point where you know they can live a where they can live a a, a full and happy life together. Yeah. Now we can't in all cases, um, but. I think that's the thing, just really educating people and choosing appropriately and knowing that, you know, there's all these awesome things that, that natural uh, medicine has a part to play yeah, in, in behaviour cases, which I yeah. guess takes us right back to the point of the of the podcast, yep. which is, you know, to fly a flag for all the awesome things within the natural medicine category, yeah. which dovetail really beautifully into all our into all our conventional um, principles, both yeah, with medication does. and with behaviour mod. Yeah, no, I love it. Really great conversation today. Thank you so much, Cathy. I uh, love talking about this the second time with you um, and I hope to have you again back on the podcast one day. I'm going to leave you now because I know that you've got a busy day ahead and it's Friday here in uh, Sydney and where you are in Newcastle um, leading into the weekend. Uh, are you are you working on the weekend or are you, have you got the weekend off? Uh, yes. Uh, well, working um, Saturday. I have okay. Sundays off. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, enjoy. Try and keep warm. Okay. <laughs> and thanks, um, thanks again. My pleasure as always. Thank you. This is the Pure Animal Podcast and I'm Dr. Sarah Howard. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always, please jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review.